Christian, remember how you felt the day you got saved? Remember how you were on cloud nine and you had hardly a care and there was joy and you felt lighter than, than air and free and the birds were lifted and, and uh, you know what I'm talking about if you've been saved. But in time, as time passes, eventually the worries return, don't they? The concerns come back. Well, have you stopped considering the Savior? Have you taken the steering wheel back? God intended to be your sufficiency right on down to the grave. From here to the hereafter. Not just a part of your life, not just a piece of your life, but your life and my life. And when he's not, we're going to get stressed up again. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. In the 21st chapter, Luke chapter 21, uh, we kind of have been in a series, I guess in the last quarter, that we kind of entitled a potpourri, meaning just kind of a hodgepodge of, of uh, topics. And as we get into this next season here, I think it even is more fitting that we, uh, we call it the same thing, just keep it going. And I'd like to talk uh, actually today about overcoming stress, overcoming stress. In fact, um, heart disease is, is the, the big killer now. And, and in our text here of Luke 21, Christ even talks about men's hearts failing them. We pick it up in verse number 25. Speaking of the last days, he says, and there should be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, notice that word fear in verse number 26 where it mentions men's hearts failing them for fear. It's the Greek word phobos. (laughs) We get our word phobia from it. And, of course, a phobia is a fear of something, water, heights, or whatever it might be. But there are things that are going to cause fear in the last days. I believe we're living in those days. Things that cause worry and concern and upset us and mainly cause what we're going to be talking about today, stress. How can we overcome stress? Let's pray before we begin. Father, we ask for your help now in listening. We pray that you direct us in our thoughts. We pray that, dear Lord, as we talk about a number of things that are, that are practical and yet pertain to this subject, I just pray that you'd help your people. And Father, you'd use your word to strengthen us and be be glorified through it all. We ask it now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, I've uh, noticed a phenomenon, if I could call it that. We were talking about missions here just a little while ago, but it is rare that I get a missions letter and I read it without reading something about the deteriorating health of the missionaries on the mission field. And of course, missions work is stressful. The, the ministry is stressful. I, I, don't, I don't know many preacher friends that don't have physical problems. And, and you say, well, what's the deal? You know, if you look at, 
at hospitals and they just keep building them and they just keep adding more rooms and they're screaming for personnel in the medical field, even in this area. You, you go, why such a need for that? Well, I, I know that we're all going to die of something eventually, but I think we're making ourselves sicker than we need to be. And I think that stress and, and, and fear, as we call it, is killing us. Did you know that 80% of what they call all gastronomical illnesses, things that make us land in the hospital, are stress-related? And that's not coming from a preacher. That's coming from the medical profession. It's fear, it's stress, it's, it's problems and, and, and things that we encounter, and it's killing us. Now, not all stress is bad. I, I, I don't want a stress-free life. It'd be like a violin over there that has all the strings totally loose on it. It'd be kind of worthless. There, there needs to be some tension, doesn't there? And in the same way, we, we need some of that. It's not a bad thing. It grows us up. But I'm, I'm telling you, the average person is tightening those strings all the way, and, and they're snapping, and they're popping. And we have an epidemic going here, not just stateside, but across the world, with, with all kinds of physical problems as a result. You, you know, in, in the little house on the prairie days, did they have to deal with... Why didn't they have all those hospitals? Weren't they, weren't they dealing with all those things? Well, maybe they had their own issues there, but so much of, of what we encounter today is stress-related. And I'm not saying all heart disease is, is due to stress. Some of it's hereditary, obviously, but there is a lot of it, I think, that we bring on ourselves. They've even linked cancer now to stress. I did a funeral earlier today for a, a lady I'd never met in my life, but she died of, of a, some kind of fourth-degree whatever cancer. And, and I thought to myself, you know, we, we never really even heard about it so much 50 years ago. I mean, people died, but uh, obviously the cancer that they had then versus now and the heart disease that they had then that they have now, there's got to be something different. I think our Lord puts his finger on it here as he talks about the last days, the end times, which I think we're, we're really on the brink of. I think our, our toes are curled over the edge. And, and, and he says in verse 26 that men's hearts should be failing them for fear, for fear. Imagine these hospitals with all these peoples with bodies that are worn out because they've overtaxed themselves due to fear, due to stress. Look, if you would, in Philippians chapter 4. I think a lot of Christian people even tend to worry more than we should to be Martha's instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. A lot of Christians, I think, are even all stressed up with no place to go. Well, notice what it says here in Philippians 4 and in verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, we've been singing about prayer here today. Notice the word careful. It doesn't mean cautious. It's not saying, you know, don't be on guard, but it's kind of a word you need to flip around. Full of care is really what it's talking about. Be full of care for nothing. Don't be worrying all the time. Don't be tense. Don't be, um, I guess, in a hurry and, and, and get to feeling like it's wrong to just even enjoy life. And I'm preaching to myself even here. You know, there was an irritated woman who called her preacher on Tuesday and, and said, I was trying to get a hold of you all day yesterday, Monday. Where were you? He said, well, I, I always take Mondays off. I take my family out of town. We just get away. And she said, well, the devil never takes a day off. He said, well, I don't want to be like the devil, <laughs> so I'll take a day off. I don't want to be like the devil either, folks. 
We need time off. I've, I've heard preachers who brag about never taking a day off. You will never hear me brag on that. You will never hear me endorse that. You'll never hear me make you feel guilty for taking some time off. We need to exhale from time to time, don't we? And even Jesus Christ said, come apart to his disciples and rest for a while. They had been coming and going and didn't have time to eat. You know, our 21st century lifestyle just involves go and go and go and go and go. So how can we handle the stress of the 21st century lifestyle? Well, let me give you four things here. And uh, if we are going to overcome stress, it involves these things. They all start with S. The first one is salvation. Salvation. The, the stress of life really can only come about if you know Him. Now, there are people who are religious. They have a ton of religion, but not an ounce of salvation. They can talk the talk, and, 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 and they have their faith in all the wrong stuff. But, but if you're truly born again, you realize that you're lost, you're a sinner, you need a Savior. It's that simple. And you've had some time in your life when the light came on, and, and you had a change of mind about sin, and in repentance, you turned from sin to the Savior and placed all your faith and your trust in Him. Christ called it being born again, born again. Now, afterwards, you're entitled to His peace. It, it comes with knowing Him. In fact, as we read on in verse 7 here of Philippians 4, it says, "In the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Christian, remember how you felt the day you got saved? I mean, the night you got saved, when you went to bed that night, just, or the next morning. Remember how that felt? I hate to refer to feelings here, but remember how you were on cloud nine and you had hardly a care and there was joy and you felt lighter than, than air and free and the birds were lifted. And, and uh, you know what I'm talking about if you've been saved. But in time, as time passes, eventually the worries return, don't they? The concerns come back. Well, have you stopped considering the Savior? The Savior considered the day you got saved. Have you taken the steering wheel back? Because salvation gives us the wherewithal to get distressed. It's a stress buster. When we make Christ the Lord of our lives, God intended to be your sufficiency right on down to the grave. From here to the hereafter. Not just a part of your life, not just a piece of your life, but your life and my life. And, and when He's not... We're going to get stressed up again. In Colossians 1.18, it says that in all things, he might have the preeminence. He might have the preeminence. The reason Christians are stressed is because they've gotten their eyes back off the Lord. Colossians 3.2 says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I think that's pretty plain. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And again, the reason Christians have gotten stressed is we've taken our eyes off the Lord. Don't forget to think on the Lord. Don't forget to consider the Savior, the one who saved you. And, and, and as a result, if you keep your mind stayed on Him, as the Bible says, you don't have to go through the day complaining and, and, and discontented and, and critical and fainting and failing or, or any of that stuff. We have salvation. Consider the Savior, the one who saved you. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We can have the mind of Christ. And so we see it, it requires salvation. But secondly, there's security. 
there is security. The Lord provides security for His people. We forget about this one. The reason there's so much stress is because of, of a lack of security. And Christian people who are worried about the house payment, who are worried about the, the actions of the kids or the spouse or the boss or the employees or whether this problem will work out or that problem will work out or some kind of personal rejection as it might be. And as a result, there's no security. We forget to look to the Lord for security. There is security in Christ. And Hebrews 13.5 gives us a glorious promise that He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, one of the biggest reasons people get stressed and due to lack of security, is they're afraid their needs aren't going to be met. Are my needs going to be met? Well, Christ said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. If we have our priorities in the right place, we won't have to worry about where we're going to eat, and what we're going to wear, or, or what the, the friends or the fame or the fortune or, or the, the whatever it might be. We won't be thinking on those things. We'll be seeking first the kingdom of God. And all these things should be added unto us. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 5, if you would. Matthew chapter 5. The, the key secret, I think, to dealing with stress is to find security in the Lord. Not in the situation, not, not in the circumstances. We shouldn't have our eyes on the circumstances, but our eyes on the Lord. And we should be trusting Him unconditionally. May I emphasize again, unconditionally trusting Him him. You know, the Bible mentions putting on the whole armor of God, and the, the shield of faith actually is, is an implication of trust. It's the shield of faith or the shield of trust. It is a shield we have in hand uh, that, I guess, is a picture of us trusting in God, having faith in Him, and, and seeking Him first and foremost above all, and letting Him take care of the rest. And letting those other things fall in place. Just seeking to know Him better. Paul said that I might know Him. And of course, Paul knew Him in salvation. But he said, I want to know Him better. Now, look here in Matthew chapter 5. And let me just point out something here in verse number 6. Matthew 5, 6. Christ is talking. He says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, here's a guy, he has his priorities in order, and he's secure because he's, he's hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Don't you like to eat when you're really hungry? Isn't there just something about it? You're just like starving, and it's like the food tastes twice as good. Or you're thirsty, and, and you get a Gatorade or, or even just water, and it just takes extra good. Well, Christ says in verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? After righteousness. After righteousness. The, the satisfaction in life will be in pleasing Him by being holy, by righteousness, because the deepest need will be met. He says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. The word blessed there in verse 6 is an interesting word in the Greek. It's, it's mikorios. Hope I didn't butcher that. Mikorios means joyful. Joyful or or content. And, and so it's, it's saying joyful or content are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. It, it, it really means happy. Happy are they which do hunger and thirst 
after righteousness. The difference between a happy saint and an unhappy saint is the one who has the security and their salvation because they're seeking after righteousness. You know, everybody's seeking to be happy. They asked Liz Taylor after like seven or eight marriages, what are you looking for? She says, I just want to be happy. Going about it all wrong. Happy are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Being right with God. I'll just say this. If I'm not holy, I'm not happy. You know what I mean? And I think you know what I mean. If you're not holy, you're not happy. At least if you're saved. I'll guarantee you. If you can enjoy sin, yeah, that's a bad indicator. Because you won't be happy unless you are holy. People who seek to be happy are only treating the symptoms. It's It's futile. But if you seek after righteousness and doing right, the happiness is in the doing right. There's such selfishness in society in this day and age in which we live. And as a result, so many unhappy people, they go to the amusement parks to try and perk them up. I've been at amusement parks. It's almost funny to see the faces on some of the people. It's like, yay. You know, are we having fun yet? There was a a, a woman in a church like this, and she was just... She wanted to be happy, but she just couldn't be happy. And she was continually going into the preacher and just saying, I'm depressed, and poor, poor little me, I'm discouraged, and just not happy. What can I do to be happy? And it it dawned on the preacher, this gal was very inward. And so he said, you know, let me me, uh, pray for you for a while. But in the meantime, I I got a favor to ask. There's a a gal, and she's discouraged, and uh, I've got a book for her. Could you bring it over to her and just visit with her a little bit and so on and so forth? She said, oh, okay, I'll take the book over. And, and uh, she, she chatted with that gal and, and uh, kind of perked her up. And in the process, she got perked up and was talking to the preacher afterwards, said, you know, that was really a blessing. Anything else you need me to do? He said, well, yeah, there's, we, we got this member up in the hospital. I was wondering if you could go up there and visit them. And, okay. And she goes up there and visits them and kind of gets out of herself even a little bit more and comes back and, and says, you know, preacher, that, that was kind of, kind of exciting. Anyone else? He said, you know, there's this gal. She's an older lady, and she can't come to church. She's a shut-in. And I was just wondering if you could go by and just bake her cake and take it to her and, and just show her that, you know, we, we care about her. She goes, sure. So she bakes this cake and she takes it over there and you can see what's happening in the process. She's getting out of herself and happy in the process. You know, there's so much self-centeredness and so much misery as a result. And, and people who seek to be happy are only treating the symptoms. Seek after righteousness, righteous deeds. That's what it's talking about. A righteous lifestyle, righteous acts. And watch the stress dissolve. It will really help. And so, if you're going to bust stress, it's going to require salvation. It's going to require security. Thirdly, it's going to require a surrender. A surrender. Look back in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm talking about just... Out-and-out resignation, where we trust God no matter what. If we are going to get the victory over the stress, we're going to just have to let him follow. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, Eli, the priest, the high priest, gets some bad news. Eli was uh, not the best Christian, not the best dad. But I, I, I'll tell you this much I like about him. He was surrendered. And we're talking about surrender here, a resignation. He gets some bad news that, boy, I'll tell you, it's, it's all going to cave in. 
and the wheels are going to fall off for the nation of Israel, and his sons are going to die, and ark's going to be stolen, and everything's going to go wrong. But notice in verse number 18 of 1 Samuel 3, it says, And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. You know, your heart just goes out to the old guy, and, and you go, Wow. You know, with all his faults, he still had this going for him. He was surrendered. Uh, what, a, what a statement. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good to him. Boy, if we would just get to the place in our lives, when, when, when the wheels fall off of our lives, we go, well, God's still on the throne. It is the Lord. He's allowed this. He's let this into my life. Let him do what seemeth good unto him. Well, we're in Samuel. Turn to Second Samuel chapter 12. We find another Christian of foregone days by the name of David. He gets some bad news. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's, uh, it's really the death of a child that's coming, his own child. And in, in uh, 2 Samuel 12, the baby does die. And in verse number 23, David says, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David said, this was God's will. This was God's doing. I will accept it. In chapter 15, we find David on the run. Absalom, his own son, in a treacherous, wicked deed, chased his own dad out of town. And they're, they're bringing the ark out with David, kind of like a, oh, good luck charm. And, and, and uh, David says, no, no, take it back. Take it back. In verse number 25, And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation or the temple. But if he say thus, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. That's called resignation, folks. And when you and I get to the place in our Christian life, and it takes maturity, but we say, it is the Lord. Let him do as seemeth good unto him. It'll be stress. You know, we find Hezekiah in Second Kings, if you want to turn there, as long as we're back in this area. Chapter 20, we find Hezekiah, the king, gets some bad news. How's he going to react? It's really bad news about his future and actually the future of his kids and his nation. In Second Samuel 20 and in verse number 19, then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? Now that might sound selfish, and I know people who have taken that for selfishness, but it really doesn't fit the character of Hezekiah. I think it's more of a resignation. I think it's more of a surrender. I think he's trying to find a silver lining here, uh, as bleak as it might be with the news he's just gotten. But he said, Well, at least there's peace for now. There's peace for now. You know, I think of Job when, when everything fell apart in his life and even his wife said, just curse God and die. And he said, you speak as one of the foolish women do. He, he, Shall we not receive from the Lord and, and not have him take from us? And the Bible says in all this, Job sinned or charged God foolishly. Can we get to the place to where we just say, the will of the Lord be done. 
Paul's wrapping up his third missionary journey in the latter chapters of Acts. And as he's heading back to Jerusalem, he's getting uh, the messages from the prophets who keep saying, you're going to die there, or you're going you're to get persecuted at the very least, or bad stuff's going to happen to you. And, and Paul just kept saying, the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. Even our Savior, when it came to that cup, as he prayed in earnest in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, if I have to drink of it, so be it. So be it. That is resignation. Folks, that is one of the biggest stress busters there is right there when a Christian gets to the place where he just means it when he sings, I surrender all. And he does. If we're going to overcome stress, there's got to be salvation. There's got to be security. There's got to be surrender. And then finally, the shepherd. Let's talk about the shepherd. Turn to Psalm 23. I, uh, I read this psalm earlier today at this funeral. If you and I are going to get victory over stress, he must lead, we must follow. That means he's going to be out in front of us and we're along for the ride. He is our shepherd. Jesus said in the New Testament, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and follow me. Now, stress is the result of a Christian not following the Lord. Here in Psalm 23, David, the psalmist says in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Notice in your Bible, most likely, the word Lord. Is it all in caps? L-O-R-D. What does that mean when it's all in caps? It's, it means in the original, the Hebrew, it was the word Jehovah. Jehovah. So it's, it, it literally says, the Jehovah is my shepherd. David is saying, Jehovah is my shepherd. Now we get yonder over to the New Testament. We know that, that Jehovah is Jesus. So he's saying here, Jehovah Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now in the Holy Land, shepherds would rouse their sheep right around 4 a.m. Very, very early. And they would get up while it's still cool out and still dark out. And the dew was on the grass. They would just get extra moisture that way. And they would chew on that grass quietly for hours and take in that dew. And it was such a peaceful, placid time of the day for the shepherd and the sheep. But about 10 or 11 a.m., it gets very hot in the Holy Land. The sun would get overhead and the shepherd, the wise shepherd, knew that he had to find some shade for his sheep. So he would bring the sheep to some shady place habitually and and they would lie down and a sheep has two stomachs from what I understand so they actually would re-eat what they had eaten or it's called chewing the cud. They would sit there in the grass and and, uh, for three, four hours uh, they would eat it all over again. And and the growth for the, the sheep takes place the most at that time. That's when the greatest maturity takes place. Uh, by the way, just a, a side note here. When we come to church, it's kind of to graze or to, to be fed spiritually. And afterwards, we need to be careful not to just, you know, turn on the TV or some other distraction and just kind of blow it off and, and, and crowd it out. But, but like the, the, the sheep there, to just kind of, you know, take it easy and, and think about uh, that meal that you've just had. Now, the shepherd knows how important this is. So in verse 2, it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, there's something else about sheep, and I'm not an expert on it, but they're very skittish about moving water. 
If, if it's flowing, it's, if it's babbling, if it's gurgling even, they're kind of like, yike. And, and so the shepherd has to lead them beside still waters. Notice the last part of verse number 2. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now keep in mind who's writing this. David. What had David done as a boy? Well, David had tended the sheep. He was a shepherd. So he, he spoke from experience here. Now, who are the sheep today? Well, the Bible says we are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. And uh, that's Psalm 100. That sounds kind of neat. We're his sheep. Well, it's really not a compliment. <laughs> in, a, in a sense, let me just say this about a sheep. They're not the smartest animal on four legs. Any of you who know anything about sheep know that they're dumb, in fact. Now, maybe, you know, you resent that, being compared to a sheep. You say, I was the valedictorian of my class, or I was the salutatorian of my class, or whatever it might be. Well, that's all well and fine. But, but let me just say, it's talking here about common sense. And, and what it's saying is God compares us to, to sheep because sometimes we lack discernment. Sometimes we lack a good judgment. You can have a high IQ like Nicodemus. Jesus said to him, art, art thou a master in Israel and you don't get it? You don't know this stuff? And, and so we are compared to sheep. In many ways, sheep are simple, but sheep are also susceptible. They're susceptible. Now, I live out in the country. I, there's deer all over the place. If I come out of the house, they scatter. They, they run. And, and they are fast. Nothing runs like a deer, they say. Or you take a, a rabbit. A rabbit can get away real quick. They have some kind of defense. A dog can bite. A skunk can, can let out an odor. A bear can maul. And a porcupine can throw their quills. A snake can strike. A chameleon can change colors. I mean, these are animals and they have defense. A sheep has none. If you think about it, a sheep is very slow. They are uncoordinated. They, they don't have teeth, really, that are much good other than just chewing the cud. They don't have fangs. They don't have claws. And, and that's why a roaring lion can devour them. And in the same way, we're compared to sheep. And we know the devil is the roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. We need a shepherd. That's the point here. Our sufficiency is of God, and we can do all things through Christ, but we can be led astray as, as sheep. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, right? We have turned every one to his own way. And in fact, you can take a cat out in the country and, and drop it off, and some of you are smiling. You've done that. Don't give yourself away. And that cat will find its way back home. A, a dog can find its way back home. I don't know how. There's just something in them there. A pigeon can find its way back home even. But a sheep gets lost without you dropping it off anywhere. If you just walk away from it, they're kind of, duh, duh, you know. And, and they can't get back to, to the shepherd there. You have to go find them. You know, what's really ironic about sheep is if they roll over and get stuck on their back, they actually can, uh, their circulation can stop, they can bloat, it can be fatal. I mean, they're that helpless. What a picture of a backslidden Christian, right? I mean, who gets on their back and, and out of church. That's the reason we have church, by the way. You know, there are those and they say, oh, you Christians, you need that, that church for a crutch. Well, let me just say this. Uh, if a sinner says we don't need anything, that's because it's easy to sin. Anybody can sin. Anyone can get drunk. Anyone can be immoral. It doesn't take any character to do that stuff. My pastor used to always say, any old dead log can float downstream. And isn't that the truth? 
So bragging rights about, oh, we don't need a crutch. Let me just say this. I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. We need a shepherd. We need a place like this. We need a book like this. And we have to follow the shepherd. Now we're talking about how to overcome stress, how to take away stress. And you and I can get to the place where if we've got this shepherd, we don't have to call the shots. Uh, we don't have to really make the decisions. And that's a relief. What a relief that brings. It's a, it's a security that overshadows the stress. We have a shepherd. And, and, and let me just say one last thing about uh, stressed sheep don't produce. They don't produce wool. They don't even produce offsprings. These are just a few things to know. That's why our shepherd admonishes us to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 in Genesis 35.3, Jacob said, In the day of my distress, God answered me. That's a promise for us as well. David said in, in, in 2 Samuel 22, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I called upon the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 3.7, Paul said, We are comforted in all our distress by faith. These are glorious promises, folks, that you and I can claim. You know, Christ said at the outset, in the end times and in the last days, men's hearts should be failing them for fears, phobias. We have fears. We don't have to, the Bible says, be careful or, or full of fear or full of care for nothing. And may God help us to remember these principles we've taken from His Word today and put them to practice so that we might overcome stress. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.